the music. We are underway. Episode 99 of the Cool Button Hockey Podcast. I was in the group who didn't want Wayne to be as good as he was. Ah, WHA. I was like Dick Petos. Wayne Gretzky would have been the fourth-line center on the 1947 Maple Leafs. I was like the people who didn't like Rush until America liked them. I don't know why, Craig. I was uh, I-, I couldn't believe anyone could be that good. And then sometime during the 81-82 season, I kind of went, why am I doing this? Why am I off the Gretzky bandwagon? And for 40 years ever since, I've been so happy to watching, meeting, and cheering on Wayne Gretzky. What a guy. What a run he had, especially as an Edmonton Oiler. Steve, it's Christmas time, and I can only tell you this. I remember watching Wayne Gretzky for the very first time. It was at the World Junior Hockey Championship, 1978. But it was Christmas Day, 1977. He was a late addition to the team, even though he was lighting it up. Billy Derlego broke his leg, and he got named to the team. So we had Christmas. Obviously, on December 25th, right? That's when you have Christmas. Open up our presents. My dad took me down to the Montreal Forum. Now, I was 12 years old. Go down to the Montreal Forum. And Wayne Gretzky suiting up for Team Canada in the blues. Blue uniforms. They were wearing blue uniforms in Quebec. He put on a show against the former Czechoslovakia. And I remember coming back and going to the outdoor rinks. He scored a fantastic goal. And I remember showing all my friends, you got to see this goal Wayne Gretzky scored. And, you know, it was he, he was mesmerizing. And that was we'd heard all about him. It's amazing that it took you to 81-82. <laughs> and Dick <laughs> Bettles, for all his greatness, he didn't recognize greatness, I'll tell you. And everybody wanted this. You know, you, you would think that people would have learned after dismissing the Soviets in 1972 – that there's other leagues and other players, Borea Salming, the late, great Borea Salming. Oh, he was met with all kinds of disdain. You know what? Wayne Gretzky was phenomenal. And the bottom line was, I, here's what I think about 99. So I see him, watch him over those years. Steven Stamkos just got his 1,000th point. Patrice Bergeron just got his 1,000th point. That is a significant accomplishment in the National Hockey League to get 1,000 points. Wayne Gretzky did it three times. I know he's just short of 3,000 points. He got 1,000 points three times. <laughs> like, give me a – like, honestly, people can argue with me to the end of time. Greatest player of the NHL, greatest player hockey has ever seen was Wayne Gretzky. He's number one. No, I'm not talking about talented or who had more talented or who skated better or anything like that. Greatest player the NHL has ever seen. Greatest player hockey has ever seen is number 99, Wayne Gretzky. And I can go even further and say the greatest player this galaxy's ever seen in their own team sport. So if not Wayne, who, right? That's the argument. And the thing about our sport is we get to play it internationally. So then it's not just provincially in, you know, the National Football League because nobody in the world watches or cares, really, right? No no quarterbacks coming from Australia or from Italy. You know, that's it's, it's they're all 99% American and that's great. They come out of college and it's exciting. You know, we talked about Michigan and Ohio State. That that's their thing. In our thing, especially in our lifetime, we watch this game grow and then have amazing international moments that Wayne was also part of. He says his best ever game was game 2 of the 87 Canada Cup. One of the biggest quotes he said was, why game two? Considering the competition. The Soviets, 6-5, Wayne, 
game two, double overtime, setting up, you know, Mary Lemieux. And I was there with Gino Red. I didn't know Gino at the time. But, and, and I think that by that point, you know, Wayne had already become a national treasure. And I wonder again, Craig, as I told you before about booing, you know, Eichel and then not really giving it to Kachuk. And if it's a British Empire loyalist thing, Canadian, whatever, I think Canada just didn't want to acknowledge at the beginning. And I, I go back to this time frame that anybody could be that good. And he was one of ours. I don't know if that's our inferiority complex or not or, or anything else, but it, it was true, right? That that was the line. Wayne Gretzky would be the fourth line center on the 47 Leafs. And the 47 Leafs were pretty darn good. Don't get me wrong. They were in the middle of a dynasty, but it was almost as if poo-pooing Wayne. I'm not sure why, because we haven't done the same thing with Connor McDavid. Like right now, McDavid, Marner, Jason Robertson, what he's been able to do. Like, this is great. We might over-celebrate these players now with Twitter and, and everything else. Like McDavid, Saturday, wow. Mitch Marner, eyes in the back of his head. And Jason Robertson does it without being flashy. Like Jason Robertson's like the 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 skilled craftsman. And the way he just, like he doesn't come and go through his legs behind his back. and over, He doesn't do what Marner and, and McDavid do. But he just he just keeps scoring and providing, providing wild, wild moments. And you were telling me earlier, and they didn't think he could skate and wasn't in good shape coming at a major junior. I guess Gary Roberts took Jason Robertson by the back of his neck and said, don't worry, kid, we'll get you NHL ready. And I just think the three of them this year have been wow, wow, and more wow. So, well, they have been, they have been. So I, I'm going to say two things. So you talk about hockey being an international sport. Well, guess what? Stupidity doesn't have borders either. To, to think that people wanted to doubt Wayne Gretzky, it, like, all he kept doing was performing at the highest level. So that's that's uh, that's my critical comment. Wayne Gretzky also had a massive influence when he went to Southern California with the LA Kings. And Jason Robertson is a byproduct of that because he's from Southern California. And so, you know, you think about Wayne and the influence that he had on, on players taking up the sport. And we moved from Minnesota to Dallas in 1993. And I remember Bob Ganey and Jim Lights, our president, saying this. They go, if we get good athletes playing hockey, we're going to be able to grow a lot of good hockey players. That's exactly what happened in Southern California. People got interested. Jason Robertson is one of those players that we're watching now that's the Gretzky effect. So Wayne Gretzky's greatness <laughs> continues right to this minute, to this second. Jason Robertson's unbelievable. Connor McDavid. I mean, Steve, I, I got to tell you this, like, like I, I'm a voter, like number one on my ballot for most valuable player is, is Connor McDavid. I, I don't know who's going to be two. I don't know who's going to be three. He, he's the best player on the planet. He's the best player in the league. He's the most valuable player to his team. And that's, he's got dry sidle. I'm not trying to dismiss dry sidle. I, I don't know if we give Connor McDavid the due that he deserves. It's almost like we become, oh, um, oh, look at old Connor had four points again. Like, oh, really? You watch what the guy does on a night in night. It, if some of his teammates could finish, even if he could finish a little bit more, it's like he gets 10 grade A scoring chances every single game or creates them. Grade A. And if he had, and he does have dry sidle, and I'm not dismissing Leon because he's been great and has had a great career oh. and has the major awards, the same thing. But yeah. if there was something as well right like Gretzky's Oilers were even better and they went two and three deep and you know the puck was moved from the blue line it's not D to D it's D to me and it's almost Gretzky like with McDavid you know Wayne was banned from many hockey pools he's out of the hockey pool so it's about finishing second <laughs> it's the same thing with 
you know, we were in a conversation last week on the show about, you know, there's Jason Robertson. And somebody said, if it was me, I think I would, you know, I'd vote for Jason Robertson. And I just wanted to say, talk to the hand. It's almost as if, like with Wayne, oh, well, he's this good. Who else is there? It's almost like the teacher has got the, you know, the Einstein in his class, but says, you know what? We're going to give the the milk and ju- uh, the, the juice and cookies to somebody else. I'd give them a ribbon as well. No. You know, they gave Wayne his just rewards. I think it's a travesty that McDavid only has two heart trophies. So what now? We're going to say, as good as the Connor is this year, you know, now Jason Robertson's the new kid on the block, and next year it might be somebody else. It it There is a gap. Like, to me, is the argument is, who is in the heart conversation behind McDavid? Like, who's 2-3-4? Who's 2-3-4? And it might be Robertson, Marner, and somebody else. But I think in that, and that's, I guess, our job in the media to be able to you know trumpet when things are working out but if you just sit and watch on a and how you can't how mcdavid isn't on the main tv how mcdavid isn't on your phone on your on your laptop all the time you're missing out man you're missing out and even the games where you're like yeah he got a point today or got a goal you didn't see the nine other chances we said it before if there was another planet right if there was another planet and another solar system and another league McDavid would be there and that's how good and he'd be the only one in a league that's got you know a lot of great players but on Saturday the example soon as he cut in and the Habs were chasing I was I was mesmerized and just wondering Craig where would he finish where would he finish well it's so true but that's I mean you watch Connor McDavid play him and we've been lucky and watching him in the arenas and seeing him live and you know, I, I, sometimes, and, and and this is what great players do. This is what you see. They pull you to the edge of your seat because you have to anticipate that you might see something great. And and he does that every single shift he comes out on the ice. Just think about a, a hockey player. The, the minute he steps on the ice, you get to the edge of your seat because you know something great could happen. Like it, 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 and 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 he doesn't disappoint. Like it might not come that shift, it might not come the next shift, but you got to be ready because his greatness has no limits, and that's what that to me is is what sets him apart. It's interesting, and I'm not. I, I just it, it's a it, it's a little bit of a. It's a, I digress to his. Connor Bedard is lighting up junior hockey, lighting it up. He, he he's unbelievable. And I keep reading, wow, the gap between him and Adam Fantilli is closing. Steve, trust me, it's not closing. There is there is nobody closing on Connor McDavid in the or Connor uh, Bedard in the 2023 draft. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> he stands alone as clearly the best player. And nobody's coming closer to them. The guy's brilliant. And that's what we talk about with McDavid. That's what we talk about with Gretzky. You know what? Greatness stands alone. <laughs> Connor McDavid stands alone. Wayne Gretzky stood alone. Connor Mc- Connor Bedard right now going into the draft stands alone. That's yeah. greatness. Well, uh, and Connor stood alone in his draft, and it shows you when a guy oh, yeah. is pretty good. That goes too. Like it's not an insult. These people take it like it's an insult to them. There's nothing wrong with being number two to ninety-seven, or being number two to number ninety-nine. And we talk about how quickly. 
kids go through high school or go through university and get in the workforce. And there's a great country song about, uh, you know, first thing you do is your girlfriend becomes your wife. And da, 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 da. it's a great song, tearjerker, especially around Christmas time. That's what it's like because McDavid, you know, people are comparing McDavid and Robertson in, in their games played. McDavid started oh, at 18. Oh. Mc, like they make the comp. It's like goalie wins. He's what, well, hang on a second. Ken Dryden oh. never had a shootout win. Ken Dryden never. You imagine the Habs and the Oilers with shootouts after they couldn't win on three on three. And like, are you, people don't know that they don't know. And we sometimes, sadly, we watch too much of people who don't know just the basic rules of the game. You know, we do not challenge for a high stick or a distinct kicking motion. That is from the situation room. That is not an initiated challenge by the coaching staff. It's the same thing when we talk about the, the greatness of these players and about a comparable. A comparable of wins for goalies has to come with an asterisk. What era did you play in? You know, how many wins for Bernie Perrant in 73-74? 74, 75, if it was in today's game. But people don't know. Jason Robertson wasn't good enough to be in the league at 18 and 19 and 20. And that's nothing wrong with that. But then that's the comparable. And that's why the comparable. Here's the comparable that we left out when we talked about uh, Gretzky scoring 1,000 points three times. Wayne Gretzky hit 1,000 points in 424 <laughs> games. 1,000 points. In 424 games. Now that's another one of the Glenn Hall and Gretzky and or unbreakable records, my friend. As great as these guys are today, and they are, that's another example of Wayne and Connor's greatness that we see on a, you know, on a weekly night, on a daily night, or as you said, each and every shift. Like, how could you not be there? I would be in standing room in Edmonton. Because I figure I might as well stand the whole game watching 97 anyway, Craig. I'm standing at home. Well, I well, that's what I mean. But, but you know, he grabs that puck on your TV set uh, as you're watching and you're on the edge of your seat. I'm exactly thing. So remember what I said? The stupidity has no borders. After 100 and whatever games, here's McDavid and Robertson. At 18, 19, and 20, here's what McDavid did, okay? He had 46 points. In the NHL, 48 points in 45 games played as an 18-year-old. Then he had 100 points next year in 182 games. And then 108 in, in, in 82 games as, a, as an 18, 19, and 20-year-old. Jason Robinson wasn't even in the NHL. And Jason Robertson is a really good player. Just stop. Stop being so bloody stupid and saying, here's what Connor McDavid and Jason Robertson have after X amount of games. There's no comparison. It's no comparison. It's like me saying, well, you know what, Steve, you know, when I was 18 years old, I won, I, I, I won the gold medal in the hundred meters in my local high school. So I must be as good as Usain Bolt because he never won a gold medal at 18. Like, are you, like seriously, like, honestly, like, how do you tell people you're stupid without telling people you're stupid? Put out a post like that. <laughs> All right, time now for KB on Ice and Inside. Look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Two and one last week, Craig. Like the song says, two out of three ain't bad.
Meatloaf. And I was I, I was listening to that song actually yesterday on Sirius XM. I, I picked up a station. There it was. Two out of three ain't bad. Okay, Monday night. Two teams struggling mightily. The New York Rangers and the St. Louis Blues face off on Broadway. I'm taking the Rangers at home. I'm taking the Rangers at home. I don't like the way the Blues are playing. Tuesday, Toronto at Dallas. I think Dallas is going to light up the Leafs. That blue line, too bad. It's just unfortunate. But I think there's going to be air coming out of that Maple Leafs balloon. And Wednesday night, the Bruins return to Colorado. They dusted the Avalanche. They dusted them. They're going to dust them right in the Mile House City on Wednesday. Take it to the bank. Well, I think I'm going to go head-to-head with you, my friend. I got oh, the Blues. I love it. The Blues over the Rangers. I'm hoping it's Bennington, and he doesn't get a penalty or a body check. Uh, Tuesday, Paul Maurice, Florida, is in Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg wins. And I've got the abs over the Bruins. And now when the Bruins start heading out west, some of these teams, it'll be a bit of a reality check. I know we got the excitement of Vegas in Boston on Monday, but with the Eichel thing, I stayed away from that one. So we go head-to-head in two games, and I like the Jets and Paul Maurice's return. Oh, it's so much fun, Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. Log on to SIA.com forward slash cool button pod. Sign up and deposit today. Tons going on in the sporting world. Canada Sportsbook is Sports Interaction 19+. plus. Gamble responsibly. We're going head-to-head. What a weekend. What a weekend in the National Hockey League. So it's almost as if I've been watching some nature shows lately. There's one Morgan Freeman is yep up late at night. Games are over. So the one is the universe. It's very good, entertaining. You know why the Earth is on a 23-degree axis? You know why? No, I don't know. Yeah, because our brother planet hit us the way the Greeks and Macedonians crack eggs at Easter. And they... That other planet cracked Earth, and it could have ended both planets. It moved Earth to 23 degrees. That planet then dissolved and eventually became the moon. And the moon is what gives us seasons and tides and a lifeline. So it's going back to Wayne. Wayne's the moon. Like, Wayne is the moon that gives the Earth the seasons, the lifeline, and the water. Because without water, none of this exists. Like, it's just, it's it's great what you learn when you don't want to talk all the time. And it, I love to learn. I'm a, So I'm telling Diane all this stuff, too. And it's like, wow, this is great. This is great. Um, and it goes back over billions of years. And the key is what started the Big Bang. And there's also theories about that that's more, you know, maybe about faith than anything else. But it's, it's amazing what you learn. And as we spin at 101,600 kilometers right now, to do one rotation. That's almost as fast as McDavid's skating, by the way. Faster when he's skating with the earth. Uh, but it also makes me think about older school and old school mentality. Like Brady Kachuk watching that, wow. And are there people that look at me or maybe you and think we're dinosaurs in old school? Um, because what Truba tried to do, like Bennington's a little bit of a whack job, what he was trying to do. But like Kachuk, he grabbed his team and said, jump on my back. He fought Truva. His tying goal was unbelievable. His winning goal is a thing of what dreams are made of. And we grew up, Craig, with Keith Kachok and Gary Roberts and, and Steven, Scott and Kevin. And you name all those types of guys that came and did the special stuff that only a few players do now. Am I bad for gushing about what we saw, the good over the weekend, Truba trying, 
which is a fair check according to the rule book. If you want to change the rule, change the rule. Somebody sent a picture and said, Department of Player Safety will be calling. I said, I don't think so. Not under Rule 48. And I sent them, I sent them the page. But what Kachuk did here, does it remind you of, I don't know, Clark Gillies from the 70s? It's it does it remind you of a certain player from a Rick Tockett or John Tanelli? Um, I, I I saw it. I was just my eyes were wide open. I thought, wow, I wish that was my son. I wish I had a son that could do what Brady Kachuk did on Friday night. Not everybody can do what Brady Kachuk does. So so we were talking earlier about the draft. And so when you're a young player, you know, you might not have the, the physical strength to be able to, you know, play successfully against older, stronger players. You just might not have it. How I evaluate younger players like at 17 or 18 is, is like, are they in the fight? Are they in the battle? Are they in there? Like they might not be, but they're not getting pushed out of a game. They're not getting pushed out of a battle. They might not be physically ready to win it at that, at that age, but I'm watching for, are they in it? Are they in it, in it, in it? And then you're projecting, you go, well, you know, that player, you know, once he does get physically stronger, he'll be able to hold his own and he'll be able to do even more things. I see lots of big, I shouldn't say big, strong, but stronger players that don't stay in the battle. They don't, they, they don't want any part of the fight or the battle. 200 by 85, Steve, it's a battle. There's no place to run out of bounds, as Brian Burke says. It's a battle. You're in the confines of an arena. You know, you want to go back to the Coliseum days? <laughs> no, Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, baby. That, that That's the bottom line for the NHL. So, you know, that's how I evaluate players. So, you know, everybody does it differently. You know, do, do you think you're – do you think you're you, – Wayne Gretzky got pushed out of games? Like, he did it differently, right? And, you know, great players – don't get pushed out of a game. So I don't think that's old school, new school. Kirill Kaprizov does not get pushed out of a game. <laughs> Good luck. You're not pushing him out of a game. So I, I know what you're saying. I'm going to share a story with you real quick on Brady Kachuk. It's part of his DNA. He's playing for the National Team Development Program. They're all 17 years old. All 17 years old playing in the USHL. Think about a junior team, all 17, playing and and and, and they're good and they're talented. They were playing a game. Uh, against Waterloo, who was who was one of the top teams in the USHL. They were big, they were strong, and they had a defenseman. He was a 20-year-old defenseman. His name was Ethan Spaxman. Spaxman. You can look it up. Big, rugged, push it. And so, you know, the National Team Development Program ha has some jealousies, you know, from people outside of it. So they're gonna they're gonna take advantage of some of these young kids. I'm right in, I'm right in the, I'm right watching the game. In, in Plymouth, Michigan, USA Hockey Arena. And they're playing, I, I believe at the time they're down 3-1, and Ethan Spaxman is wreaking havoc on the National Team Development Program. Brady Kachuk comes off the bench, Spaxman has the puck in the corner, and he just gives lays him right out, you know, right over, down, boom. It's like, well, this is interesting. Next shift, Brady Kachuk does exactly the same thing. To Ethan Spaxman. Exactly the same thing. He went out there and he said, I'm going right after the the I'm going right after the heart. I'm I'm cutting the the I'm going after the head of the snake. They ended up coming and winning that game in overtime, I believe. And then the next night they beat him like 7-2. Brady Kachuk is an infectious leader. Brady Kachuk understands, like, you know what? He's the guy that gets the pulse of the game. And he understands exactly what needs to happen. 
Now, can every player do that? No. But Brady Kachuk raised up his team. Isn't that what leadership is about? It's raising up your team. Jacob Truba, to me, is a great leader. He's trying to raise up his team, a struggling New York Rangers team, right? And so here it is, captain versus captain. Let's go, right? <laughs> so when I look at this, and we talk about old school, new school, players have different skill sets to do it. Sometimes it's a player just going and saying, I'm going to find a way to score. I'm going to find a way to make a difference in this game. I'm going to think about Steven Stamkos in the bubble coming off the bench in the, in, in, in the final. And he only scored one goal and he couldn't play anymore. But it was, to me, that was a statement about Steven Stamkos. I, this is all I can do right now. And, and what he did at that moment was like, it, it was a wow leadership moment. He couldn't play anymore after that, but you, you have those moments. Top players lead in their own way. Brady Kachuk knows what he has to do. And yeah, we think back to a big hit, a big save, a big play. It would be great if everybody had the same skill set. They don't. So how do you lead within your skill set? And how do you understand what's needed at any particular moment in time? That's a pretty big key to, to, to leadership. And old school, new school, I'll tell you what, it's successful school when you can do those things. I love it. And that's a great story. And I'm assuming he threw body checks because they don't fight. Could they fight in the USHL? No, they, you can fight in the USHL. Okay. No, you can fight. Yeah, he didn't no, fight he, him though, right? He, he didn't he, fight him. He went right out. He went right at him with physical with, with physicality and a body check. And you you can watch. I, I was sitting right across from the bench, and you're kind of watching the team just kind of like the, like get get air in their balloon. Oh, oh okay, good. <laughs> like, but Brady knew exactly where he had to go and what he had to do. He's he, he's so good. Yeah, and it just it it just your mind then starts going back to different moments. And I, you know, I have uh -huh. a John Tanelli moment. Tanelli taking two Russians down in the corner with them. A Jerome Ginla moment. You know, fast forward to what you said about a Steve Stamkos moment. And it doesn't always have to be about the fighting or the fisticuffs. Right. Being tough means Mitch Marner takes it harder than that, and he knows he could get walloped. There's, you know, the Sedins were tough in their particular way. Not fighting, although I probably would have punched back Marchand if it was me, but that was just me. That's another story. But there are certain things. You, you want to block these shots? You know, fast and hard, Ovi and Stammer and Tage Thompson shoot? That's toughness to sit down and how we block shots now, right? You turn your ankle like this. You kind of just protect your face from a broken jaw and say, help me, God, and then hit your ankle. And you're like, great, four to six weeks, broken bone. Oh, and I'm surprised there's not more of those things. And there are different things that make our sport wowie and we're preaching to the choir but it is dangerous you know like to me would i go down the what's it called the haman ka in kitzbühel i wouldn't go down that no matter what so i give them credit for going down at like 130 kilometers an hour but when you're this close to the rink and i was able to be very close for a, a game recently it's another world crank the press box game and five rows the press box game, everyone thinks they're so good. And why didn't he see that guy? And go over here. And where's my Hagen Doss? <laughs> and where's <laughs> down there? If anyone thinks maybe I could, I'm 33. I used to play pretty good hockey. You couldn't be the linesman down there. And I'm telling you how good that they are. And I'm going, well, that was a good call. It was good. It's an it's you got to do it once, save some money, go down once, go to a place that the tickets aren't two thousand dollars, maybe. And it's, it's perspective in life. It's like learning about the history of the world. It's learning about the, the fireman does to prepare. It's learning about what the guy who's up on the pole had to do to make sure he didn't fall off. It's just opening your eyes and, and, and seeing things. And going down there 
and just being it out. Well, I was in awe. I said, it's another world down here. And for some people, they get the sushi and they get to live this world all the time. But when you're down there looking, going, everyone's huge. And then you look and say, how can a guy do this and take the puck here? This skill set is unbelievable. They're like, you go to Vegas and see the jugglers or the guys driving on the side of the wall and they're doing all this kind of, these guys are doing this at full speed. And at any moment, they can elbow to the head. They can crash into the post. Um, and if it goes the other way, that's also not good. I think sometimes maybe with the storyline of taking Gretzky for granted and then McDavid for granted, it's, yeah, not all 890 players in this league are those guys, but there is so much skill and speed out there that it is, it is outstanding. And I, I, I look at it and I see it. We see it in television at times, Craig, honestly, doesn't do it justice. You imagine being five rows up MSG on, well, Friday or Saturday and watching that performance. It's like a Broadway play. I'd stand up. Bravo. Bravo. Encore. Send over. Like Brady Kachuk was leaving. He was doing the old exit stage right. And he went, well, hang on a second. I'm the captain. I should probably be in a situation where I should thank Cam Talbot for making the breakaway to allow us to win the game. I, I, I find little things sometimes to be just so entertaining and special. And that's what I saw over the weekend. And, and, and the Brady stuff was just that, uh, as was your story. Cause you don't just plant a seed, you know, in your twenties, that seed was planted a long time ago. Well, it sure wasn't. And, and, and he's true to that. Like he's true to himself and he, he understands. Okay. Like in Brady sitting there watching, but you're so right about the speed of the game and, and the intensity of the game. And you get down low there and you realize how do these guys operate in such small spaces? <laughs> like people are leaning on them. Like, like, and, and I, I joke about this all the time. Wayne Gretzky, he didn't come out wearing a disguise. He didn't come out wearing a different number all the time, right? Like everybody knew that Wayne Gretzky was coming out on the ice, just like everybody knows Connor McDavid's coming out on the ice. And they're trying to stop him. They're, they're actually trying to stop Connor McDavid. And you know what? Their hands, like, it, 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 you know, it's it, it becomes a task that is so difficult because Connor does things. And we talk about the, the, the skill advancement, the skill development, the skill, the evolution. And, and I agree that Connor McDavid is the most evolved hockey player we've ever seen in our lifetime. And, and, and that's just from a skill point of view. Good luck trying to stop him. Good luck. I mean, what he's doing, he, he he's on pace for, for 50 goals or more. He's on pace for, again, like his best career point season. And everybody knows he's coming out on the ice. Everybody knows. <laughs> and he's they, they don't put the fourth liners out against him or the, th the third pair defensemen. They're trying to match up their best players. The coaches come in and say, hey, 97, let's try to make sure we limit him. Like, so what's limiting Connor McDavid now? Oh, geez, Connor McDavid only got two points last night. Isn't that a good, ooh, let's, ooh, way to go. We kept Connor to two points. <laughs> That's what it almost seems like, Steve. Yeah, uh, he's, I mean, maybe at the beginning of his career with uh, Drew Doughty, uh, Jack Johnson was a top pair defenseman. Uh, he's had a great career and everything else. And, you know, defensive uh, acumen maybe hasn't always been his forte. But that night when McDavid looked up and saw Jack Johnson at his oh. age now, that, well, back to my nature show, that's, that's the lion hunting the elephant in the water infested area when the lakes are drying up and they just they just feast like mcdavid looked up he already knew he was going to go inside outside 
and it was scripted. And all Jack Johnson could try to do was cross-check him. If I'm Jack, I would have turned around and started skating forwards. And sometimes people say the best way to, like, you know, coaching strategies, the best way to deal with McDavid is you loop because there's thing about heels first or toes first. They're going toes first as defensemen. And now turn around and go, I'm going to I'm gonna drive down this lane. I'm not going to give him the inside. He's going to have to come over my right shoulder. And that's my only chance. And hopefully he stops up and looks for the trailer. And hopefully it's Pugliarvi. Bit of a shot there for me. But anyway, that's because I think, yes, he Pugliarvi. Craig, if it was me, I swear to God, Connor would have at least five more points. And that's all I'm saying is five because sometimes – and they're frustrated with him in Edmonton anyway, but I, I think it's, it's a fun discussion. Uh, I find it fascinating. And um, it, it's just one of those things that we've seen this time and time again. Don't blink because Sydney's an 87 birth and he's 35. Look at Ovi at 37 as he's assaulting 800. It's gone in the blink of an eye, just like a McDavid um, sprint down the ice or a one-timer from Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, we're almost done here. A few other things that are in play. You mentioned Connor Bedard and tearing it up. I can read you his, some of the numbers. He's almost scored a goal a game in his entire WHL career, which is unbelievable. <laughs> so what is he? We talked about what Wayne is. We talked about what the other Connor is. Obviously, he's not a Brady Kachuk. So, like, is he a right-handed Patrick Kane? Like, is he going to be a winger? Is he a center? You tell us what the next Connor will eventually be as you look into your button crystal ball he's a center man i mean i I, i'm amazed okay so i'm just telling you so you look at he he started in the whl as a 15 year old and and did that then as a 16 year old and said he not he won't turn 18 until next july after he's drafted in the nhl that's when he'll turn keep in mind what he's done okay as a 15 16 and 17 year old i i asked this question of people who's the best centerman in the entire canadian hockey league (laughs) connor uh, connor bedard so why isn't he playing center for Team Canada? <laughs> like, yeah, well, I know Connor can play right wing. He's very successful. But why would you not have the best centerman in the Canadian Hockey League playing center? I don't get it. He's a center. And you know who I think he is? I think he's Steve Eiserman. I think he's a franchise player. I think he's a superstar. I think like Steve Eiserman, he can score 50 goals. He can make plays. And what he's got that reminds me so much of Steve is that he's got this deep well of competitiveness. It might not be like, 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 you know, I always say still waters run deep. Some players have a different emotional barometer and other players, but players like Steve Eisman sometimes get underestimated for their competitiveness because you, you, you know, it, it's not, it's not bubbling over. Connor McDavid, Connor, sorry, Connor Bedard is a player that finds ways to achieve, finds ways to accomplish things in a big way. Great shot, deceptive shot, deceptive skater, playmaker, great player. And when he gets to the NHL with other good skilled players, he's going to be dominant. He's a franchise, he's a game changer. He's a franchise player. Center ice, that's where he is. That's what I see him as, just like Iserman. That's the player I see Connor Bernard as. Steve Eisenman was a great player, a franchise player for the Detroit Red Wings. He might be turned into a franchise GM in time, too, just so you know. And Connor Bedard, no question in my mind, he's a franchise superstar. And Eisenman was drafted in 83. This is the 2023 draft. So there's a 
There's some decades in between, and Eisman fell to four, which at the time the Red Wings weren't so happy with. So I guess they, as Jimmy Devolano says, reluctantly selected him. I guess they liked uh, LaFontaine and uh, maybe Lawton and one of the Turgeons, Sylvain Turgeon, a little bit better. But anyway, what about Shane Wright now? So Shane Wright goes to the American Hockey League, five games, four goals, some wow moments. As I look here at Hockey DB, it looks like the asterisk beside the uh, Firebirds means he's been recalled because the stint is over. So, Mr. Bunn, what's the plan now for Shane Wright? Well, I think it's not the plan now. It's what the plan was when they sent him to the American Hockey League on his two-week conditioning. You know, so now he finishes up. Now he's going to go to the World Junior Team. I mean, that's the, 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 the Canada's junior selection camp. I think the the hard thing for for I, I shouldn't say hard thing. Keep in mind, the World Junior Championship is a best on best tournament. It's the best players under twenty in the world. It's a best on best tournament. Countries players have been preparing for this for a while. You know, Shane Wright got into meaningful games. Meaningful got into games where he could play a lot in the American Hockey League in those five games. It's the first time he's played competitively since last year in the playoffs when his Kingston Frontenacs got knocked out. Going to the World Junior Championship, I don't care how talented you are, it, it, it's a high-level competition. And all I can hope for is that, I mean, Shane's smart, Shane's good, but I hope he's ready. I hope he's ready to go there and be the player that he's capable of, of being. Because when I go back, the last April. Last April is the last time he played really important competition. It's a long time ago, Steve. And to just think you're you're going to drop yourself into the World Junior Championship and just don't, and and there'll be a spotlight on Shane Wright. There'll be a huge spotlight on Shane Wright. Not that he shies away from the spotlight. Not that he hasn't performed under the spotlight. But I I, I hope because the scrutiny that is going to be on him is going to be tremendous. And I just hope he's ready. I, I I know he's up for the challenge. I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. Is he ready? Because you know what'll happen if he's not ready and he doesn't doesn't light it up. Oh, Shane, right? We'll hear all the criticisms. I hope for I, I really do. I hope Shane can get there and and really find a level of success for himself and for the team, because he's always about the team, and that he can just move on from from uh, and just move forward, not move on, move forward in in, in, in his playing career. Yeah, and uh, in our episode of 99, talking Gretzky and then the greats like McDavid and great games and players like what Brady Kachuk did, Connor Bedard, uh, all eyes on him and the Iserman comparable some, what, 40 years later now, and then Shane Wright. And we could say that for everything Ron Francis went through, that this is probably not the best path to get into a world junior and, and be ready. So as you said, it's not, it's, it's not ideal. The seven games, if you want to call it that six minutes tonight, seven games, probably played more in a playoff game last year in Kingston than he did in all his NHL time this year, you know? So, so just before we wrap up and say goodbye, Shane Wright done in the American league world juniors around the corner. It is Seattle home to Montreal on December 6th. So, could he play in that game before he leaves, Craig? Absolutely. I mean, he's been recalled. His two-week conditioning state in America is over. 
the World Junior Camp only starts on December 9th. So hmm, December 6th, Montreal. Wow. Like, can you imagine Shane Wright, the excitement he might have to play that game? I want to see him score a goal. I want to see him score a goal and then get daggers, 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 eye daggers. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Like television. I can only tell you this. I'm doing the broadcast on Tuesday night, and I'm going to tell the camera people, make sure you have every look of Shane Wright, any side words glance to anybody on Montreal. I want to I wanna see it. I hope he just plays more than seven minutes and six seconds. So he's going to play – uh, in a very strong role, surrounded by veteran players, because that's what the team in Seattle is. And I guess they're overachieving a little bit this year. The streak is over, but they might be a playoff team at the end of the day. Uh, can't wait for that matchup. And Craig, can't wait to watch you at the World Juniors as well. It'll be a fun storyline. I know you're out scouting in Western Canada. Then you've got the World Juniors right around the corner. Uh, and we'll end this how we started. Uh, you seeing Wayne Gretzky hit the farm in Montreal as a teenager in those blue Team Canada uniforms en route to what became the greatest hockey career of all time. Episode 99 in the books. When we're back later this week, episode 100 as all these great storylines over this week in the NHL, including Bruce Cassidy's return to Boston. For Craig Button, Bruce Bolton, I'm Steve Coolies. Thanks for listening. Be good, be kind, and enjoy the hockey, everybody.